morning, Gateway Church. We're a growing family after God's heart. I want to say thanks to Pastor Colin and the, the baby dedication. That was a, a clear word on why we dedicate babies. I want to say to Dan and Jessica, congratulations and the dedication of your beautiful daughter. Praise the Lord. And uh, got some, some predictions going on here now. I just looked over and saw Stacy, and, and uh, she's due, ready to have a, a baby anytime now. And uh, I'm predicting January 31st, and she's going, oh, no, that's another, that's a whole week. And uh, it's fun. Stacy's on, on staff here at Gateway Church and on the whiteboard in our office. We, we all picked certain dates that we thought she was going to have, or when she's going to have her baby. And uh, I think most everybody's dates are already passed. I, a few of them there. I'm still standing on that one. Also want to... Um, Say thank you to Sandra. Sandra, she came up and talked to me today. And it's just a really cool testimony. Where's Sandra at? Just wave your hand, Sandra. She helps Mary Jo Carlson right over here. Yeah, praise the Lord. And Sandra, I'm going to just share a little bit of your testimony, all right? And uh, she uh, asked, she came up for prayer on a, on a, a Sunday. I don't know how long ago it was, but she had a... a a request that was really dear to her heart. She was praying for her son, who's been on a waiting list for three years for a kidney transplant. And he needs a kidney. And she was so excited this morning when she came up and, and told me the news that he's all the way, he's next in line, all right, for a kidney. Isn't that good news? And, and Sandra wanted to make sure that, that, that all praise goes to the Lord, that the Lord heard our prayer. And, uh, and so let's lift up a, a prayer again. And I forget your son's name. Donnie? Well, let's pray for Donnie. Lord, we just lift up Donnie today, God. He's next in line for a, a kidney transplant. Lord, and... and uh, just ask that there would be a match, that someone would say yes, Lord. However that works, God, we, we trust in you. That, uh, that he would have a kidney, Lord, that would, would uh, be that organ that continues to give life, God. And Sandra wants to lift up your name on high to give you praise. So we pray now in your name. Continue to do this great work. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Last week at the conclusion of my message, it was a convicting word from God's word. The letter to 1 John. We're going through 1 John. The passage that we looked at last week was 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. And John writes about the seriousness of sin. Remember the warning that we shared? Something that I read in a book 20-some years ago. I never forgot it. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I talked about the big four, right? Now, this is only my personal observation through the years of ministry that most sin, not all sin, 
are under these four categories, all right? It was, it was a convicting word. The big four, remember? Pride, anger, lust, and unforgiveness. Those are major sins. At the conclusion of my message, a father, I mean, almost runs, <laughs> almost runs up on the stage to talk to me. It's like, I thought he was going to say, I dropped to my, we dropped to our knees, and, and uh, he said, hey, I, I just want to tell you, I have a teenage son, and sometimes I'm wondering if he's listening to your messages, Pastor Paul. He's, he's listening. He listened today. You know what he said? I thought, oh, man, this, this is so cool. He said, that's Pastor Paul, the big four. If you just change the list around, I'd never seen this before. <laughs> I was like, what? He goes, no, listen, it's the acronym. It's your name, Paul. I'm going, oh, my word, no. It is. I'm erasing that right now. Whenever he thinks of the big four, he's going to think of Paul. <laughs> By the way, I, I was talking with, with a friend of mine, and he said, Pastor Paul, I think you missed one. I think there's five. There's another category that, that you missed. And he, he shared this with me, and I thought, I thought on it for this past week, and I think he's right. It's deceit. <coughs> Lying is under deceit, deceitfulness. So I'm changing from the big four to the big five and changing the order completely. <laughs> so that you don't think of me. With all of that said, today is, is gonna be another convicting word from the word of God. If you have your Bibles, can turn to 1 John 3, 11 through 18. And the good news is that truth, even when convicting, and it's all right to be convicted, right? The truth isn't to condemn us and beat us down and beat us up, but always truth sets us free, even when it pierces us to the heart. The purpose is always to build us up. Because that sin that we're carrying around drags us down. Before I read the passage, I want to tell you the story of two brothers. There was friction between these brothers. When it was time to leave the house, one brother went into the cattle business, the other into farming. One brother really loved the Lord. The other brother, he just wanted to get by. He just did enough religious things to feel like, okay, you know, I go to church, I do this, I do this other religious activity, half-hearted. Things got pretty heated between them later in life. The younger brother, the one who loved God with all his heart, recognizing that God was deserving of the very best, brought the very best that he had, the firstborn of his flock. He presented it as an offering 
to the Lord. And God was well pleased because he saw his heart. The older brother brought the Lord an offering as well. But it was a stingy couple of handfuls of grain. And he gave it, what? Half-heartedly to God. Here, God, this is good enough. God was well pleased with the brother who just, man, I got to give him the best. And he showed his displeasure for the stingy brother. And he even talked to this brother. He said, sin is at your door. It wants to master you. He gave this brother a chance to make things right. It's not how the Lord works. He he comes to us. He convicts us of our sin. He's saying, please listen to the word. Don't just read the word. Don't just pass over things. Read it to hear what God's saying to you. If it pierces your heart, let it do that. That's the, one of the purposes of the word. It, it pierces, it divides, it gets right into what needs to be taken care of. This brother didn't want anything to do with what God said. He became angry. He was controlled by his anger. And in his heart, he said, God, if you want a blood offering, I'll give you a blood offering. And what did he do? He was so angry, he murdered his brother. It was the first murder in the Bible. You probably know the story now. It's Cain and Abel. You can read about it in Genesis 4. But John, the author of the epistle that we're looking at, makes a reference to Cain. That's why I'm telling you the story. What did he say about Cain? He said, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain. It's right there. He uses him. Don't be like him who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. Remember what God said to Cain? You don't have to go this way. You can repent of your sin right now. Sin's at the door, wanting to be your master. He said, I'm going my own way. I have a right to be angry. By his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. So, what's the message today? It's really simple. Don't be like Cain, be like Christ. There it is. Let's go home. (laughs) Isn't that what the word says? You know, I wish it was that easy. I wish we could end right now. It's like the football commercials using the famous quarterbacks, Peyton Manning and Tony Romo, remember? I said, don't be like that guy. Remember that commercial? 
Don't be like Cain. And maybe we're all sighing a sigh of relief. Relieved that I'm not like that guy, Cain. He was a murderer. Verse 12. I'm not like him. He was a murderer. I'm not. But, but we keep running, or we keep reading the passage, and we run into verse 15. Jewish shit just ended in verse 12. And we could leave. I'm not like Cain. John says anyone who hates a brother or sister is what? Murderer. I don't think I'm like Cain. And then Jesus walks into the room and messes everything up. That's what he always does. Where do you think John got this word? When you go back to chapter one, verse one, talks about his relationship with Jesus. He was there when Jesus talked about anger. Sermon on the Mount. What did Jesus say? You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder like Cain. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Laws, penalty, conviction. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, it's an Aramaic term. It's a derogatory expression, meaning empty-headed, insulting a person's, insinuating, I should say, a person's stupidity and being inferior. You're a blockhead. You're empty-headed. It was an offensive name used to show utter contempt for another person. You may not say it out loud, but when someone's talking to you inside your head, you're saying you're an idiot. Nobody does that around here. See, I wish it was easy. I wish it was like, be like Christ, not like Cain. Jesus, are you really, is this, are you really saying that if I have anger towards someone that, that I haven't dealt with, that I haven't confessed, that I haven't just said, God, you know my heart, that it's murder? I think I'm in trouble. I think I'm more like Cain and not like Christ. We get angry. That's strong language. 
someone sins against us, offends us, we get angry. The word Jesus used for anger has to do with a brooding, simmering anger that is nurtured and is not allowed to die. We just won't let go. It is seen in the holding of a grudge, in the smoldering bitterness that refuses to forgive. It's the anger that cherishes resentment. Ah! And doesn't want reconciliation. Nope. You see, if we don't learn how to forgive, we're going to be mad most of the time, like Cain was, just an angry person, saying, why is all this anger in my heart? Maybe, it, maybe there's a connection between forgiveness The writer of Hebrews identifies its depth and intensity as the root of all bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15. And here's the kicker. Jesus says it's a form of murder. Come on, Jesus. You always do that. I'm guilty, Lord. So what do I do? Love. That's what you do. You love. Does that mean I have to wait around until I have feelings, warm, gooey feelings? No. No. That's why it's so hard. Because Jesus won't allow me to wait around until I feel like I want to love and respond. Now, I don't want to love. I want to hold on to my bitterness and my resentment. Love is an action word. It doesn't wait around until I feel something before it acts. Love with action, to love like Christ is costly. We see it in verses 16 through 18. We're to love extensively and love expensively. We'll see it. When, when a brother has a need, John says, we got to meet that need. We got to love expressively. We need to do something. Look at verse 16. I'm just going to read it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's what the word says. Cain took a life. Christ gave his life for us. This is the ultimate definition of love. Cain was about self-love. Christ is about selfless love. It is to love without limits. I have a friend, a pastor. His name is Randy. Randy's son, Nathan, died 
giving his life, trying to save a teenage boy. Nathan was a youth pastor. He took a group of kids to a lake near Grand Rapids, and, and uh, they were on a sandbar, just having a good time. And at this lake, there's lots of sandbars, and if you were to go out, you know, 10 feet from the sandbar, there was this, there was this drop-off, and, and the, the waves, the, the wind was incredible for a moment. It was like the wind just started to come in, a, a storm was setting in, and there were like two-foot swells. He looks up, and one of his students is being taken out past the point where this young kid could make it. He, he wasn't a great swimmer. He needed help. The scriptures that we read, Jesus Christ laid down his life. He was willing to lay down his life because he loved us so much. Would we be willing to give, lay down our lives? Well, it wasn't a matter of this this. Youth pastor wondering, well, should I lay down my life? I was like, obviously, it was like he went in after this son. An older gentleman with a life jacket went in with him. Somehow they got the life jacket on the boy. The boy's able to swim back to the sandbar. I don't know exactly what happened at that point, who was helping who there. I think it was Nate, Nathan trying to help this older gentleman, and they go down. They drown. But the boys saved because they were willing to lay down their life. If they were willing to lay down their life for a brother, I think the Lord's saying to us, would you and I be willing to lay down our life for someone we are having a hard time loving? Sometimes it's not even loving the world. Most of the time our problem is people in the body of Christ. That's where we really really struggle with love. person that you're angry with, would you be willing to die for them? Isn't that what John is saying to do? What can we learn? What can we glean from this passage and take home with us? I started the message by saying, don't be like Cain, be like Christ. What does that mean? I think it simply means this. Don't be an angry, unforgiving person like Cain. Be a loving, forgiving person like Christ. Dan and Sandy are going to come. They're going to close with the song.
as they do, question we have is, how is this even possible? I thought I was home free when you first started. I'm not like Cain. Am I? I was personally convicted. That's what the word did in my own heart this past week. I was convicted. I think I look like Cain too much in my life. But I don't want to look like him. Do you? I want to look like Christ. I don't want to be an angry, unforgiving person. I don't want that to be what drives me. I want to be a loving, forgiving person. And I can't do that in my own power and in my own strength. But I can begin to just take a few action steps, maybe do a few things that I, that I don't want to do, but I just know in my heart I need to, to do. I need to do something loving for someone that has offended me. Maybe it begins by praying, writing a note, paying a bill. Can you imagine if you were to just simply write a check for a need that someone has that you're having a hard time loving? I, all of a sudden, what does love do? It just begins to, it does. It, it does melt our heart. But don't wait around for that feeling to be what motivates you because you'll be, you'll be waiting for, for a year, two years. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Will you stand? Will you pray to the Lord as we sing a song? Lord, I ask, God, that by your Spirit you would speak to our hearts today, God. is very hard, Lord. But because of Christ, we can do all things. Holy Spirit, keep working in our hearts. Never stop. Thank you that you're kind and loving. Thank you, Lord.